and welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I will be your host. Today's guest is Nava Hopkins. Nava is the Director of Paid Media at Hennessy Digital, and she is also an international speaker. We originally met about seven years ago at PubCon, and at that time, Nava was working for a company called WordStream, and she specialized in SEO. Fast forward to today, Nava is now specializing in PPC, and we talk about the connection and the differences between the strategies when it comes to SEO and when it comes to PPC. And of course, we tie in the power of public relations. Nava also shares with us some productivity tips and some tips of her own and social PR secrets that I can't wait for you to hear. And we've dedicated the month of December to interviewing only females because the future is female. Welcome, Nava. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. And I have Nava Hopkins here with me today. Hey, Nava, how are you? I am so well, and it is such a pleasure to be here with you. It has been, as we were just discussing, an age and can't wait to chat about PPC and PR and and all the things in between. I'm trying to remember when we first met. I think it was at a PubCon. It was maybe your first PubCon, right? Yeah, I, I, I think so. The PubCon Vegas 2016, I believe. Yeah. And you've come a long way since then. You're now speaking at PubCon and very involved. And what I'm most excited about having you on to be the guest is also just the fact that you started in SEO and then you transitioned to PPC. Um, When I met you, you were with WordStream and I'll let you kind of give like your background journey of where we are today. Um, But I just love the fact that we're talking about, you know, from the same person, SEO, PPC, and, and, and I can chime in on how that ties into public relations. For sure. So uh, that that is correct. Uh, when you met me, I was at WordStream, uh, January of 2020, the beginning of this year. Uh, Jason Hennessy, uh, whom I met through other industry events, uh, approached me about, hey, do you want to lead up uh, the paid media division for my SEO company, uh, or Hennessy Digital? And what's what's been really fascinating is that I got into SEO right out of school, but I also did my certifications for Google Ads while in school. Um, and so my very first job out of school was working for a directory SEO company. And I'm sure I don't need to tell you, directory SEO in, in, in those early days was was terrible. And I had kind of ethical questions about what am I doing? This is, this is not great. Um, and so I, I ended up uh, transitioning. Uh, I took actually the money that I earned from that job um, started a nonprofit that that didn't succeed. Um, unfortunately, uh, it was uh, Angel Ed. Uh, the goal was to connect uh, students with mentors and scholarships so that education would be as debt free and employable as possible. Um, but what was really interesting about that is that in creating that nonprofit, uh, I was able to create relationships in the educational space, in the ed tech space. And so as I would kind of grow in my career in marketing, I would be able to parlay those relationships to help um, educate uh, the next generation of PPC practitioners, uh, but then also develop some really useful uh, relationships with college professors to kind of get a sense of what what are people being taught um, and, and what are the skills that we kind of need to push out there more versus what what's uh, on the market already. Um, so a- after uh, Angel Ed um, went to work for WordStream, uh, was there for about five years, uh, was able to get kind of this plethora of data. And now 
uh, at, at Hennessy Digital, I'm able to lead a team uh, working on PPC, working on paid social, uh, but we also collaborate quite heavily on the SEO side. Uh, we'll use paid uh, campaigns to kind of teach what content might make sense to go after. And on the content side, if we see that certain content ideas are really converting, um, we'll definitely explore those on the, on the paid side. So it's, it's a really nice uh, harmony. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm very excited for the, kind of the next set of adventures, but that, that's kind of my, my trajectory is going from, I don't know what I want to, I still don't know what I want, but I'm, I'm at least paid, um, paid is my main, SEO is, is my empathy. Yes. And we were talking right before we started um, recording when we were chatting just about how when you attend a conference like PubCon or any type of um, marketing conference or really any conference in general where there's multiple tracks and topics, how, um, how the best thing to do is to go off your grid, go out of your comfort zone and go to sessions that will complement what you already are possibly an, you know, an expert in so you can learn how to integrate other strategies into what you're already doing. Yes. So people might think that I, I'm doing this just because, oh, you want to go support your friends. Um, and to be fair, there are many, many um, speakers that, that are part of the circuit that are fantastic people and I love them to pieces. Um, but the truth is I actually love going to sessions where I'm uncomfortable, where I know I don't know the thing already. Um, and to be frank, it is very rare when you are in a discipline that you will learn something truly new from that, from the session that, that is being given. True, that there are times where you'll get a great session and it's super actionable and, and wonderful and, and it's a totally new way of thinking. Um, we all strive to create content like that, but you usually will get the most value out of a conference, especially if you're investing 500, 600,000 plus per ticket, if you, you get at least one session that's not in your discipline. So you can communicate with your colleagues in a, in a better way. You can expand your agency offering. You can serve your brand in a better way. Um, a really good example of this is actually, I will make a point to go to uh, Aleda's sessions um, and Shelly's sessions, uh, Shelly Fegan uh, and Aleda Solis um, on tech SEO, because to be fair, I now work at a tech SEO company. I am not a technical SEO at all. It's not, it's not what I do. But I need to be able to interface with my colleagues and put forward strategies that are not going to hurt their efforts. And I need to know what they're thinking and, and why they think the way that they think so that I can advocate for what I need to do on the paid side. Um, so by going to sessions like that, where even though it's not my responsibility, I'm, I'm able to have that empathy because I, I have at least um, a conversational understanding, not a fluent understanding. I'm not the one doing the work, um, but I can at least speak and think intelligently about it. Yeah. And actually that's exactly when I went to my uh, first search engine strategies conference, which was probably in 2007, I had a PR, you know, PR agency that was digital PR, but it, things were just starting to kind of take off with PPC. And my clients were asking me, you know, questions about starting a PPC campaign. And it was, you know, still like the very wild, wild west, you know, and nobody was really an expert. People were saying they were an expert. They're just, everything was so new. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to search engine strategies and I'm just going to do exactly what you just said. I'm going to learn the, the terminology. I'm going to learn what everything means so that I can help my clients interpret when other consultants These offerings, other agencies, yep. yes. And, and say, okay, you know, this makes sense and ask the right questions. And, you know, one thing led to another and I, you know, ended up, you know, loving it. And I, 
after my first conference, I was like, wow, I feel like I just got an, my MBA, you know, in this whole new world that I can apply to public relations. And, you know, kind of from there, I just, you know, started going to becoming the, you know, internet marketing junkie conference goer and then speaker, but it's so important. And I feel like we've been saying this for 10 years that how the, the how it's so important to not work in silos and to like cross into each other's paths and, and have team meetings crossing over paid and SEO. Can you give some examples if you're a brand, like how do you know if you're not, if you're not really paying attention to SEO, but you know, you should, or if you're really just starting out and not sure about paid, like, how do you know where to start? Do you start with SEO or do you start with paid? Do you start with both? Where do you, what do you recommend? So a, a really, and that's a fantastic question. Um, a, a really important way to think about this is actually not on what discipline, but thinking what kind of budget do I realistically have and how much time do I real, realistically have for something to work? Um, if you are testing SEO and you don't have six months, nine months to really get that impact, no matter how good the endeavor is, no matter um, how qualified uh, the, the vendor is, you likely are going to be disappointed because you're not giving yourself the time to rank. You're not giving yourself um, the time for those links to really establish themselves, the content to really um, ingratiate itself, um, any fixes on uh, crawl uh, budget and, and, and the, the crawlability to, to, to really work. So you, you want to make sure that you've given yourself enough time. Uh, conversely, on the paid side, um, if you are expecting, I turn it on and it's instantly great, you're going to be disappointed as well because there's actually a built-in five-day learning period no matter what you're doing on the Google ad side. On the Facebook ad side, it's actually a little bit different. On the Facebook side, it's pretty rapid. So um, if you need super, super, super fast results, regardless of quality, um, Facebook can be great. The reason I say regardless of quality on the e-commerce side, I love Facebook and, and Instagram. Like, amazing, 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 amazing. There is so much power in, in impulse buying. On the lead gen side, um, it's a really interesting phenomenon. People forget that they gave their contact information on Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, they just yes, completely but, forget, they, they completely space on it. And so you'll have paid for this lead, but they don't remember. And then it's it can be a bit of a weird quality, but on ramp up time, super fast. So time is, is a factor. Um, if you have a $1,000 per month budget versus a $10,000 per month budget versus a $100,000 per month budget, that's going to also influence uh, where you start. Typically with paid, you want to actually invest more aggressively than you intend to in the first 30 to 60 days so that you can build the data to help the algorithms understand that you're A, quality, um, and B, you can build those conversion events uh, so that it knows how to direct your traffic. If you're not in a position to do that, then odds are you probably actually want to start making sure that your site is set correctly. And if you can't afford to really invest in that site, use the free tools like the Google My Business website, use the free tools, Facebook page profiles. And it, like there's there, there are free things out there if you truly, truly are budget strapped. Um, but for, for everyone that, that's outside of that realm, I would actually advocate starting with the site and making sure that your site is really sound, that the um, the conversion experiences are super easy. And then from there, you can do maybe a, a branded campaign plus a little bit of SEO, um, or you could do uh, what's called a, a dynamic search ad campaign um, that builds off of the SEO of your site 
um, and we'll actually give you that keyword research by crawling your pages um, and, and generating kind of half of the ad for you. Um, I realize that that's an it depends answer. Um, that's our industry is it depends. Um, but that's, that's, that's definitely a good way to think about how to start. Yeah, I, I really like that. That's very helpful. It made me, it reminded me of an article, a recent article that Greg Jarbo just wrote on, it was about how there's not that many VP of SEOs, but there are VP of PPC or VP of, of digital marketing. But the VP of SEO title, it's while brands will say in, an, in a survey, oh yes, SEO is very important. Really when it, you look at CMOs and you look at their qualifications, many of them don't have the SEO experience to, to direct it. And so, and, and it's very frustrating for me to see this because I'm kind of like more under the umbrella of SEO and organic. And yeah, I, I'm watching these brands that have 100,000, 200,000, 500,000 a month budgets for paid, but they don't have a budget for, you know, let's just say organic or, or, or I'll tell you PR. why. PPC is super easy to tell when we're, to be frank, screwing up. Mm-hmm. There's data to say, oh, the ROI on this was good. The ROI on this is bad. And most people don't want to do the work of attribution and building those those models out. Um, they don't want to necessarily invest in extra call tracking. They don't want to do that work. When you actually invest in a meaningful conversion tracking, um, follow the, the user through the funnel process, it's absolutely possible to put an ROI to SEO. And if you think about SEO from an ROI standpoint and you you think about your content from having very certain deliverables that it needs to meet, it, it, it it's absolutely a, a, a no-brainer to invest in SEO. Um, and what's really interesting is that, yes, SEO um, tends to be kind of a, you either believe in it or you don't, um, but it, I actually would equate SEO to, and this might be controversial, but to like climate change. Like it's silly that you don't, that people don't believe in climate change. It's silly that people don't believe that SEO works. Come, and this is me coming from the PPC in the room. Yeah. Um, but part of the reason for that is because if you don't have um, a site that ranks well, well, guess what one of the factors for quality score is, is landing page experience. Um, and if that, site has is full of malware if that site is just terrible in terms of the layout and the user doesn't know how to how to get anywhere if that site doesn't give any clues as to what it's about um, you're going to get dinged and you're going to pay premiums for your clicks and you're going to have a lot of people going to the site that that don't turn into customers so you don't want to completely handicap your seo budget you want to set it up to succeed. And if it doesn't succeed, you want to understand why it's not succeeding as opposed to saying it's not useful at all. Maybe you can walk us through just some um, points to look at in Google Analytics to show <laughs> SEO success or um, and, and PPC success. So, um, I mean, we work with some um, clients and we have access to all of their Google Analytics and some of them have um, had the Google Analytics set up very well. And some of them not very well, so they're not really able to track like the success of SEO. So they're not really able to look at transactions or revenue from SEO, but they're able to see it through you know other other platforms on the PPC side. So what are some tips you can give so that somebody can really make a fair judgment on 
the quality of um, traffic that's coming as a result of search versus PPC. For sure. So one of the the best ways uh, is actually to look at the um, customer journey um, and, and the conversion paths. So you can actually see okay, this person came from organic, this person came from direct, this person came from referral, this person came from PPC, this person came from email. Um, and, and what steps in the journey there, there needs uh, to be in order to get most of your conversions? What are the most common conversion paths? Um, the, other, the other thing that's really important to, to know, and uh, this is actually one of the points I'm making, uh, I hope I, I, I can promote um, eSummit uh, for SEJ. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of one of the spoiler alert for, for my session. Um, attribution and last click attribution is probably one of the most common reasons that SEO gets the short end of the stick. Um, because analytics default is last click attribution. Google ads default is last click attribution. And if the only thing getting credit is the very last thing before the click, well, you're out of luck. And the other, the other piece to this is just because um, something wasn't the very first thing that introduced the user into the funnel doesn't mean that, that it's not useful. So a lot of people get hung up on first click and last click. One of the most valuable things to do is to actually show clients the models for revenue based on the different uh, attribution models. When you do that, you're able to see, hey, how organic might have actually been a winner. Uh, or you might see, hey, you know what, PPC did great overall, but you know what, I, I probably actually needed a little bit more on the organic side uh, to, to help with that content piece. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely attribution models is, is incredibly important. The other thing I, I would strongly recommend looking at is the bounce rate for all of your different channels and, and helping cl uh, clients understand that a high bounce rate isn't always necessarily bad depending on where they go. Um, particularly on, on the content side, if you're driving someone to a blog, it's going to have a high bounce rate because like, what, are, what are they going to do other than, than read it and then leave? Um, unless the page is configured for, for high CRO or conversion rate optimization. So that, that's definitely a, a big factor. Okay, that's awesome. So just to switch gears, one of the things that I also wanted to talk to you about was message mapping. And what does that mean? And can you kind of walk us through some of the, the steps to achieve that? Sure. So message mapping. Uh, sorry, you, you can hear my uh, my my husband and uh, his his brother just walked in. Um, so message mapping is thinking about who your personas are, and making sure that you're not just putting the same ad or the same bit of content to everybody. You're really thinking about okay, if this person um, respond. It, well, actually, I'll use myself. I am an avid gamer. I am a pet mom. You serve me something talking about uh, cuddling up with a, a dog, playing video games, um, because you're, you're targeting me for like some blanket or some gaming system or some pet food or, or whatever, and, and you combine those ideas, that's perfect for me. Um, as opposed to just saying, here's dog food or here's a blanket. Mm -hmm. um, now, in terms of creating the, those audiences, Analytics is incredibly important. I love using analytics um, audience segments uh, because I'm able to then take Facebook, LinkedIn, email, organic, and actually build audiences based off of those very specific behaviors, port them over into Google ads, uh, and then target ads with video, target ads with um, text, so on and so forth. Um, what also is incredibly useful is thinking about um, in Facebook ads, um, now that there's kind of budget optimizer 
verdicts out on whether we like it or we don't. You can have an ad set per persona as opposed to trying to force all of your different tests into a single ad set. Um, there's nothing more frustrating than that because you're basically sharing your budget, whereas with the ad sets um, not having to have their own unique budgets, you really can have those meaningful tests. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it really does come down to just thinking about who is, my who is my customer, what motivates them, and honoring the fact that not all of your customers are going to have the same buying motivations. One of them, um, I interviewed a while back, Kurt Malley. So he, um, he specializes in Facebook advertising and he's a Facebook partner, um, his agency is. And he was talking about how Facebook's algorithm is becoming so smart that you could just literally launch an ad without any targeting and Facebook will figure out the targeting for you through, you know, their AI. So talk, you know, where, where are so we? So I, I would not give <laughs> Facebook full reign. Um, it's well, he just, wasn't saying to do that. He was just saying that the algorithm is becoming smarter. Like, I guess he did like an AB test where no targeting versus targeting and like kind of use that as an example of like how smart, smart Facebook is getting. <laughs> so Facebook has definitely gotten smarter in that it no longer needs 50 conversions or conversion actions in a seven day period in order to function. I 100% agree with that. Um, but the fact remains, Facebook, if it doesn't get enough conversion actions or results in say a two to three day period, it actually will start to stunt itself. So while it is very good at, um, if you are in a high volume industry it, it has definitely gotten better. Um, I would exercise caution, fully trusting the Facebook's um, expansion audiences, uh, unless you're you're very okay with with your lead quality being a grab bag. You're going to have some value in there, but it it, it can be questionable. Um, and I, I say this coming more from a lead gen standpoint. Again, on the e-commerce side, a hundred percent, it's it's definitely gotten much better. Cool. Talk to us about workflow and working remote. Um, you, I think, have some insights and tips on that. Yes. So uh, Hennessy Digital, we are fully remote. So when COVID hit and everyone had to figure out remote, we were already in our remote world. Um, and one thing that's actually been really important. Um, so we have, uh, we, we, we finally just went to Slack. We were on Skype, but we each major group within um, the agency have our threads and our huddles. And we're, we, we communicate with each other every day on those, on those threads. Um, in addition, we'll have uh, huddles, 30-minute uh, huddles, maybe once a week, where we get FaceTime with each other. Um, and the reason why that's so, so, so critical is that the, the relationships that you build with your work family, and they, they truly do become your work family, they, they're, they're built on FaceTime. You can't really necessarily build a relationship with someone if you don't get to see them. You don't get to talk to them regularly. Uh, so, so having that, that regular check-in once a week uh, with your teammates, uh, but then also cross-department um, collaboration time. Uh, we have uh, a rule on my team, 10% of your time needs to go to wild and crazy ideas, um, come up with some, some fun things for clients, come up with some fun things for yourself. Uh, it's kind of that 10% wild and crazy time. The other thing that's um, been actually really interesting, uh, we use something called T-sheets. Uh, so for clocking in and, and kind of seeing where time is going, part of the, the value of that um, is actually we're not micromanaging people 
we're not controlling what they're doing with their computer, we're not docking them for hours, but we're able to see at a high level how is time being allocated and how much of our time our clients getting? Are we underservicing them? Are we overservicing them? Um, and we can think about uh, pricing. Uh, the final thing I'll, I'll give a shout out to, even though it's 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 hit or miss depending on on who you ask, is um, Commit Three. Uh, this is actually a really cool uh, free tool where you commit to three things, and everyone on your squad can see what are the three things you've committed to and whether you've completed them. Um, so it's it's a really powerful way to kind of have that not just transparency and accountability, but also, ah, oh, cool, we all did our commits, or ah, oh, man, today was tough. None of us got to our commits. Um, so it's, I just, love that. it's a nice camaraderie piece. Yes, yes. Um, just curious, I, I like to ask this question, uh, especially for um, agencies and, and just in-house marketing departments. So we use Asana. Do you use any certain? Uh, we use Asana. With- um, and what's, what's cool about Asana, um, we have our Asana templates, uh, which is great for just kind of standardization. Um, but we also will use Asana uh, even for PTO. Uh, we'll use Asana for just general uh, project workflows. I will say adoption of Asana is department dependent. So certain departments fully bought in, they live and breathe by Asana, uh, or they live and die by Asana. Uh, my department, we use it. We probably could use it more. Yeah, we've been using Asana probably, oh my God, maybe six or seven years and it kind of goes in like ebbs and flows um uh, but we've also had to use other project management platforms with working with clients and you know go on their platforms so we use monday.com with one client and we've used trello and um trying to think what, what the other one was another one that was similar to asana and i i think i like asana the best yeah and i, I love how asana integrates with slack too that's definitely a, a big uh value add we um I think if, if we were ever to abandon Asana, it would be for a tool that we would make ourselves. Like that's, yeah. it's, it's that ingrained in, into our workflow. Any other productivity tips you can share with us, especially since we're just basically living in like this, the most digitally connected world that we've been in ever? I would actually schedule blocks on your calendar for the different tasks that you're gonna do. Um, so I used to give this advice all the time, just in general of have 15 or even five unmovable minutes that's dedicated to PPC auditing tasks. Um, but I've actually found that now that we're in COVID and, and we're all remote and it's that that's all that it is. Um, I find I'm more productive if I block out the pr- approximate times I think I'm going to spend on XYZ tasks. Um, and so people know, okay, if this is this type of task, I can book over it for a client meeting if I really need to. Um, and then I, I'll have actually open times that are dedicated for client meetings. I have my times that are, nope, you don't touch it. That's my grunt work time. I'm, I'm not available for calls. Um, the other thing that I find incredibly useful, um, and this is just kind of more of a wellness thing than a, necessarily a, a remote working thing. I begin every day with one to two power songs. Um, just to kind of invigorate the spirit. Um, I love and that. I find that if I don't start my day with the power song, I'm in a terrible mood. I'm the worst. Like I'll, everything is wrong. What's but your I favorite listen, power song? Uh, 
um, Beyond Burning Skies by Battle Beast um, and Vesper Tyne from by Camelot. Love it. Okay, so I'm gonna start my day tomorrow with that. See what happens. Do do Blind Garden, uh, not Blind Garden, uh, Battle Beast, Beyond Burning Skies. She's she's just she's great. It's it's impossible to be sad listening to that woman sing. Okay, and you mentioned you're a gamer. So what what's your game? What's your favorite? I have a bunch of uh, games. Uh, so lately, we've been doing a lot of Magic: The Gathering. Uh, also, uh, obviously, a ton of Witcher. Um, Kingdoms of Amalur. I just picked up. Uh, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, I've been watching Dave, my husband, uh, play uh, Red Dead Redemption Two, which has been great. Uh, but I I will actually say, in terms of games, we used to play a lot more. COVID kind of killed game night which is tragic because that I, I lived and breathed for that. So now that quarantining has, has kind of allowed certain merging of bubbles, uh, getting together to play magic, getting together to play uh, a board game like Clink, um, it's, it's really rejuvenating. Yeah. Do you have um, the, the Quest 2? Do you have the VR headset? Do you play? Are those, <laughs> no, uh, just, no? Uh, just, just sitting there and playing. I just was at Bidfest last week and a lot of um, people that are a lot of topics on Twitch and gamers and Twitch and how Twitch is just, you know, kind of exploding. Are you on Twitch? I am not. I should be. Um, it's one of those class. It's kind of like how it took forever for me to get on Instagram. I, I, I should have been on Instagram immediately. It took me getting a dog. To, to really get invested on Instagram. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, great. This is great. Um, but no, I, 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 I should get on Twitch. All right. Well, we'll meet. I'll let you know when I'm on and you can come to my first live stream and I'll come to yours. <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned um, Search Engine Journal, the, um, the summit that's happening in January. So why don't you share that and anything, any other events that are happening or anything else that you any ebooks that you want to point us to or talk about? Sure. So uh, eSummit, uh, I will be uh, doing a live version of Ask the PPC. So if folks would like to uh, submit their questions, um, I'll, I'll include a link to, to be included with the podcast. Um, always, you can uh, send, submit a question for Ask the PPC. It's my monthly column in, on Search Engine Journal. Uh, in terms of other events coming up, uh, I know uh, Pacer Association's uh, next conference is coming up. At, I think we landed on February, um, but I will confirm that. Uh, and then the PubCons uh, I'm, I'm putting in uh, for the next, hopefully, uh, Florida slash next big virtual one. But yeah, the, the, uh, in terms of existing content, uh, there are two courses on SEMrush, uh, absolutely free. Um, one is on competitive analysis uh, and, and kind of understanding your market and using SEMrush to, to uh, factor that in. The other is on PPC automation, which is an interesting topic nowadays. Um, I'm finding that automation is more and more on the, the evil side uh, than it used to be. Um, I think the past couple of months we've seen a, a lot of the the innovations on the google side kind of leading us to wasting money as opposed to um, it, it being allocated correctly i only say it's waste because it, it coincides with uh, the transparency going away on search terms um, but it, the both of those courses are, are are definitely 
worth checking out. If somebody is just starting out and just wants to do a basic, um, the basic like PPC course or um, Google AdWord course, where would you recommend them starting? I mean, I, I would think it's valuable for every, every marketing professional just to have the basic knowledge. For sure. So I definitely actually would recommend checking out the SEMrush courses. They're, they're, they're pretty okay. good. Um, it is worthwhile to go through the Google ad certifications, not necessarily to take it word for word verbatim that those are best practices, but it is actually helpful to understand the Google algorithm, what they're preaching that you should do to go through the certification and understand kind of what they see the right answer as. Um, it also helps to get be certified so that you're employable. Um, it's exactly. kind of it's kind of like how college degrees are, are useless, but you, you need them to get employed. The certifications are effectively useless, but you need them to be taken seriously. Um, so that's, that's definitely a, a good road to toe. I definitely recommend checking out uh, Joe and Michelle's Clicks Marketing. Uh, and then I, I, I'm, I feel terrible. I'm blanking on the name. We'll, we'll uh, put it in the show notes. Yeah, um, but they, they have a, a good show. Um, I would also check out PPC Hero. PPC Hero is great. Check out my alma mater, WordStream. Uh, they have some, some great content. Obviously, shameless self-plug, the Ask the PPC column. I, I, I put a lot of beginner to intermediate content on there. So definitely check that out. And that's on Search Engine Journal. Search Engine Journal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So we'll put a link to that as well. So Nava, thank you so much. It was so fun catching up. And hopefully I see you live at PubCon in Florida, if it happens in person. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers we, crossed I, in. we need this. Yeah. And I mentioned PubCon a lot in my interviews, um, you know, talking with different different speakers and different guests. And I have to say that PubCon was one of my first um, conferences that I attended. And I think it's been like 15 years that I've been going now every year. And it's the only conference that I do not miss ever. So it's the most valuable conference. And yeah. it, I work so hard to put together content for PubCon because I'm so afraid I will disappoint Brett and Joe and the, the PubCon audience. Like that's, that is the conference. I, I always bring my all. Um, and you'll, for those that, that are, are ever curious about PubCon, um, shameless plug for PubCon. Um, that is where the, the, the experts will really reveal their expert, expert tactics uh, because, because we know going in um, that they actually don't like those, se- those sessions being recorded. So that you, you tend to get insights you'll get nowhere else. It's an absolutely fantastic, fantastic event. Yes. And even when it, hopefully we'll be able to go to it live again, when you're live and even after the sessions, you're, you know, meet up at the bars and, you know, you can just, you know, sit side by side with speakers and openly, you know, just even talk after the sessions are over. So it's not one of those conferences where the speakers are like, you know, at their sessions. And then after the sessions, after hours, there's just, there's the speakers that have certain events that they go to that's separate from the attendees, like PubCon, everything. is. It's very intermingled. Um, I've made some of my my best industry friends and and just in general friends, yourself included um, at PubCon. Yes, definitely. Well, Nava, thank you so much. We'll put all of these great um, sources in the show notes. And I hope you're, I, I definitely will be attending your session at the summit in January and we've been promoting it all this whole month and I'll make sure to promote your session specifically. Thank you. Yay. Yes. So right now it's the holidays as we're recording this. So everybody, if you're listening to this, I hope 
you have a happy holiday, happy new year. And that, you know, if you're listening to this in 2021, yay, we said goodbye to We made it. <laughs> we survived. <laughs> we, we survived. We survived. Okay, Nava, thank you so much. Namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.